Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. Darn an unbeliever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris, everybody. Yo, 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 yo. And you heard him this week. Mike joined him on the Jet Factor podcast. We got two special guests. CJ the painkiller, D. Simone, and his partner, Carlos the Hitman Sardinas. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Dude, thank you so much for having us on the Ain't Easy Be Green podcast here. And like we were talking about before we got going here, guys, anyone who's still rocking out in February, anybody who's still rocking out in March, going in April, those are the hardcore Jet fans, which is why I respect your show and love you guys and love what you do. One quick question. We saw the uniform. Let's get to it right away. The biggest thing all day on Twitter, all over the place, Mike's talking about it, everyone's talking about it, yeah. the new Jet uniforms, they were revealed. Uh, I'm not impressed. Not impressed. First, let's go to Michael Garris, who's been thinking about this for six months. Mike, what are your feelings on the uniforms? I really wanted the old 80s logo, and I didn't get it. I was a little disappointed with that. I like the New York across the chest, and I'm feeling the black uniforms. The green color, it, it's okay. Like, I think I could get really used to it. Again, the logo disappointed me just a little bit, but I, I, I'm definitely going to buy some of the black uniforms. I think they're pretty dope. I just, you know, I was just hoping for better, but I'm not, I'm not crushed. I'm not like, what is this? And then again, if they win, I'll love them even more. Boys, what did you think when you saw the uniforms? Did they look slightly arena league-ish? Black one looks cool. The other two I'm not so thrilled with. What were you feeling? Yeah, all right, so we look like the Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Black looks pretty good. Man, I don't, I'm not feeling it that much. I, I, I was hoping to get some, some more Kelly Green involved. I like the logo you were talking about before, Mike. And I was saying that on our last show. I don't give two flying you know what's about it. Um, as long as we win. Carlos 
Yeah. If we're gonna win, a, if Sam Darnold has a full stretch bodysuit on, like a hooker in Times Square, and wins the Super Bowl, I don't give a. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. He could be wearing that, and the Nunez could be rocking the same thing. Borat. Oh yeah. And by the way, world, just to, just so you know, Wookie is in the building. You weren't introduced. Oh, There's, there was so much jet love going on. No, it's, it's you okay. over here behind the booth. I didn't. I didn't even introduce you. There you go. The, the Wookie is What's here. Up, the majestic beast, everybody. <laughs> the big thingy Wookie. And the bottom line is this, and you both said it. If we win games, do we really care what the fashion is? No. But very rarely kind of change uniforms. Right. So I was kind of looking, maybe like what Mike said and uh, what you guys were talking about. Maybe a little bit more of the old fashioned mixed with the new. This seemed like, remember when you watched Fresh Prince and yeah. they play like another team and it'll be a generic green uniform that just said like Valley High School? <laughs> you know, and you're like, you're like, what is this? This is not even, that's not even a real high school. You know, like that's, it kind of sort of looks like that, but the black one I think kind of does look pretty dope, to be honest. Black always looks kind of cool. The but wins and losses is the bottom line. All Jet fans, that's all we care about. Okay. They could be rocking the jerseys from when they were the Titans yep. and go back to the mustard with the with the blue, and we'd still all root for the team the same, cheer for the team the same. No, not for anything, but life is long with those uniforms. All right, the Titans, one of the things that really pissed me off was the Jets are undefeated when they're wearing the New York Titans uniforms. Are they really? Yeah, they are. They're 3-0. <laughs> oh, really? The time that they rocked those was when oh, Rex Ryan was ahead. So that would, if they actually found a way to And CJ, we actually went and interviewed Bob Letterer on his on his book Beyond Broadway Joe. And he's awesome. He's been on my show. I've had several conversations with him. He sent me a copy of the book, and then uh, I've read it already, cover to cover, and I love it, especially about the, the true reason why Matt Snell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 to your point, you know, they talk about the Titans in that part of our history. And, you know, it's good to understand and reflect where you came from and to show that maybe in some of the uniforms. But I didn't know we were undefeated. The only memory I have, vivid memory, is Sanchez eating that hot dog on the side <laughs> with, the, with the jersey on. <laughs> the hot dog unis. CJ, CJ, my cousin's a Patriot fan, and he tells me all the time, most, a lot of the Patriot fans today are, are fake. And that's what happens when they win. I mean, they cheat, but they win, you get fake fans. I mean, that, 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 you know, you get a franchise like ours, any Jet fan you ever meet, you already know. Like Keith told, said on the first podcast we, we, we had, he said, you see a Jet fan out there, you mentally lock it up. Like, y'all know what y'all been going oh, you, through. Oh, you, 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 know you lock eyes. If you see someone else wearing, if you go through the airport like I did, 
and you see someone else with a jet hat, you have shared experiences immediately. Shared pain you've had in your life, and you can relate to one another. We don't have a bandwagon. There's no jet bandwagon. So that's why anybody who's a fan, you're like, oh, crap, you chose this path too. I just wanted to quick, before we get in there, I just wanted to just show the pulse of Jet uh, Nation right now. About 5,000 votes. Brian Costello put out a, a poll. 26% of them love him. 34% like him. 27% say they're okay, and 13% hate so far. Ooh, oh, that's what you're going to get with Jet fans no matter what. You're not going to get a consensus either way. The consensus is like a match, which that's about what we're saying, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, jerseys that make them look like Jets, like some silvery, grayish, awesome-looking color. You know what? Are we going to turn your microphone off? I'm just saying. I'll shut it off right now. I'll shut your shit down right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea, the situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. Another topic we want to get into with the guys. This happened this week during the general manager meetings. There's been some rule changes that have been stamped. The one rule change that didn't occur that I think maybe people were looking at was the overtime rule. No, it's kind of spilled milk. Just because the Patriots won the Super Bowl the way they did, we all want the rule change because we hate them so much. I think it makes sense. But a lot of other rules that did go through, Mike, one especially players aren't happy with. It has to do with the pass interference, the last seven minutes of the yeah, game. Yeah, uh, subject to coach's challenge outside of the final two minutes of each half, you can offensive and defensive pass interference can be, be re- reviewed, whether it's a call or it's a non-call. So what happened in that Saints game, and this is just a... Uh, and it's it's not a permanent rule. It's only going to be for the 2019 season. You know, so when the Jets are playing the Patriots, two minutes to go, uh, Tom Brady just decides to launch it and there's no call and Bill Belichick just decides to throw a flag and they go ahead and review and they see that potentially uh, there's a hand, Jamal Adams gets a hand in there and then they call it and they're already on the four yard line. And I can tell you right now, a lot of the top cornerbacks out there and safeties do not like this rule. So I don't know. I'm honestly, I feel like football has to have an element of human error and you're never going to get it all right. We know that, but reviewing, you know, calls like this i don't know if this is the right move for the for the league but mike to play devil's advocate if that was the jets last year in the same situation i mean how would you oh, have yeah. felt i agree i hear that i mean all th- this rule would make a lot of sense then and but it can it can cut both ways like you said it can clear up penalties that did occur but also all of a sudden now base like they said most times this, this pass a free runs on what 50 percent of the plays mm-hmm. you see yep. it all the time you know it's just it's just like holding on it's just like holding on in the trenches so if all of a sudden now you can like put the camera in and look at it i think it's going to increase the calls yep. uh and especially in those tight scenarios where the final two minutes is when guys get a little tight normally in the past when we were growing up towards the end of the game remember it would be more physical they let a lot of things yeah. go you know and i'm not saying it's right or wrong play, yeah they let them play yep. it seemed like if <laughs> it seems like the NFL in a lot of different ways is going a completely opposite direction. And this rule change, I want to hear what the guys have to think about it. This rule change seems like another step towards that kind of micromanaging every single little thing. In- this is a complete overreaction to one play while devastating to the Saints fans and an abomination for everyone that was watching. All you're really doing is adding another subjective call on top of the subjective call that was wrong. Yep. And then... Yeah, I hope they got it right on the replay, too. Yep. Plus, teams are going to start chugging it up more and more. Exactly. Yep. Towards the end of the game, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be like watching NBA at the end of, end of our game. A bunch of free throws. I got more 
No, you're right, dude. Exactly. That, you're that's right. Like, that's like the unintended. That's why the first thing I thought, God, the consequence of this, that's going to be the yeah. end of games. Now teams will be like, screw it. Teams that have, say some team has some jabroni QB and they know they can't march the ball down any yards. Yeah. They're like, might, we might as well bomb it three times. Try to get a pass interference. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and now, and here's another thing that's going to happen. They're going to hold those challenges. All those coaches, they're not going to call. They're going to wait to the last two minutes and then just start chuck, having their quarterback chuck balls down the field and hope that there's a hand somewhere. And, yo, these guys play rough. You know, the part of the game is some of these refs, unless it's, like, really blatant, they usually just let them play. Like, now, to obviously, like to Carlos, what Carlos said, that Saints play, I mean, guys, that was, I mean, that was an abomination. Anybody. People that don't even know what they're watching, that was... That was so such a miss. It was the worst time ever to have such a horrific missed call. Yeah, like, yeah. that was so blatant. Yeah. He basically hit him with like a clothesline from right over the neck. Yeah, that nothing was no called. Good. That was no. And good. if it was against the Patriots, I would have danced around my living room. The guy was right there. The referee was right in front of him. Yeah, that was bad. I'm like, this- yeah, I think honestly, really, they could have just solved this with just one swift move. In my opinion, and we wouldn't really need to have these you know ridiculous rule changes. We could have just fired out. about the Kansas City Chiefs and that bogus call in Tom Tom Brady who always gets the call I mean the tuck rule I mean come on you know so I mean eventually you know the, the, the VP of, of officiating and look I wanted Al River on dead from the moment when uh, Austin Safari and Jenkins two years ago oh god oh, yeah. oh my god Man. and everybody in the stadium including everybody who was covering the Patriots game including the biggest Patriots cheerleader of all Mr. Scott Solak himself, who goes wearing a Tom Brady pom-pom outfit up to the, up to the fucking booth when he calls game. He sat there and he was dead quiet saying, yo, we just got away with one right now. Yep. Because they knew they took a touchdown off the board. And then that Tuesday, when it was time for everybody to call, you know, the league was having their conference calls, Al Riveron had the balls to defend the call and said that Tony Correnti was right. And you know what, at that point, I would have been able to stick my hand through the TV and grab that little by his throat. I would have killed him then and there. <laughs> <laughs> and and ref, NFL 
in any, any league, whether it's baseball, it's the NBA, if it's the NFL, when you when we're talking about the refs, we all understand there's going to be mistakes. But what, what CJ is alluding to is that once you make the mistake, don't then insult our intelligence and tell us you didn't, mm-hmm. and turn this into something that almost almost with uh, River Ron and, and it goes other sports as well. It almost becomes a political thing where they don't want to admit the mistakes they've made, and there's right. been obvious glaring mistakes that they then go in front of the media and say, well, technically, if you look at section 35.2 of the rule, it could be a penalty. And you're like, no, 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 that, but we watched. We all we all saw. That's not what refereeing is. Everything should be completely objective. And if you do make a mistake, and other other forms of life when it comes to people's jobs, okay? The way you get better when you have your performance review is, Keith, you did a great job, but these three things, you totally you totally messed these up, dude. Yeah. Like, what is this about? And you go, oh, what did I do wrong? You identify what you did wrong, right. then you improve upon it. Yep. That's how things work in life, right? Uh, relationships, everything in life. When it comes to any job you have, but apparently when it comes to the NFL, that's not how things work with the refs. No. <laughs> that's like, like he said, we're actually we're going we're becoming antiquated. We're going backwards. It's, the, the refs collectively yeah. are like Benjamin Button, basically, <laughs> right. and they're going to go backwards in time because no, if you don't ever admit anything you do wrong, I mean the, the call was so blatantly horrific in the Super Bowl. Oh. I, I should say in the uh, NFC Championship game, Roger Goodell basically said nothing about it. He got forced to say something about it. Eventually, the refs were like, "Oh, well, you know, they say nothing about it. You just cost the team a chance at the Super Bowl." This is a billion dollar company. That's the biggest game in all sports on earth. Sorry. Cost. This, now, I'm not, now, there's still a small chance they wouldn't have won the game. I get right. it. More than likely, that game's a wrap right there, right? Yep. That's a wrap. And these refs did not have the balls to come out and say, and, and cause, guys, because of those circumstances, that's why. Yep. There was the, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't, it could have, could have been a penalty. We, we didn't really miss it. All, all the jibber jabber and everything he just said. And it just, it just drives me nuts. I didn't, I didn't state as eloquently as CJ did, but it does drive me crazy with oh, the refs because what you should be trying to do, especially this, this league, it's a little crown jewel of sports. Every ref should be the highest level ref humanly possible. You know, I want, I want almost no mistakes. And people go, when people say, oh, there's going to be mistakes, I get it. There's a yeah. lot going on in every play. But I want that play we just talked about, the play with um Jenkins years ago. There's so many plays that you're like, how is this even happening? Here's, here's something else that I want to throw into that. Keith, you actually see you, you, you summed it up perfectly. Is the whole purpose of you know the, the NFL referees commission getting together was so that way they had NFL referees go and actually sit in rooms, uh, sit in classrooms, so to speak, and actually... Look at tape, look at game film, practice different scenarios week in and week out. This was the whole purpose of having full-time reps. Well, so that way, colds like this don't get mixed. No, they, they just don't they don't get missed. So, so CJ, okay, well, real quick, the refs are fucking up like you said, and then the NFL is making more subjective rules for them to fuck up Yeah, you're creating you're creating more variables to make mistakes when you right. should be doing the opposite. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's very, very good. You know what? I was okay with the sky cam. You know, I was if they wanted to institute another official. Mike, you mean like sky the one, cam? You mean like they had an AF that one official in the booth? Got? Yeah, yeah. Oh, with the, yeah, the AF, right? The, yeah. Something like that, you know, not not re- re- officiating, uh, you know, calls or non-calls, but, you know, having another eye in, in the sky, you know, and they go check with that guy real quick and then they say, you know, it, yes or no. Um, I was okay with that proposal, potentially, but this is just just too much and i agree with all of everything you guys said on another note i'm very sad to hear about the af i don't know if you guys watch that or not oh you kidding man we're, we're in central florida right now we're, we're home of the champions of the AF. and and keith <laughs> the national win for the Raiders had, I think, ever. 
and Keith Keith has been Keith has been a diehard Iron fan from day one. Yeah, I jumped, has, yeah. There, there's no team close to the Northeast, so you know it's kind of a crapshoot. I went with the Iron, and they, they started off well, but I mean the AAF died a slow death. It's yeah. what was strange to me about the AAF is that the fact that they were on CBS affiliates and the the, the levels that their game was promoted to then not have the funding to get through two months. Like something, something in the equation. Well, like I'm missing completely because. Well, they did. No, now, now, now that's what I wanted to talk about. So they did. But what happened is, is that the NFLPA and the AAF were negotiating the logistic hurdles that remained about player safety, future contracts, blah, blah, blah. And we know with the NFL, stuff like this doesn't just happen. It takes a long time, maybe a year, two, three, four years to actually come to a, an agreement and then come to a collective borrowing agreement. Everything is structured and you go forward. Well, this guy, Dundon, who was the main investor, he didn't like where it was going with negotiations and also he wanted the product to get much better now we all know it struggled early but i would say right before they cut it off the product was getting a whole lot better and the plans of practice squad players being trained in the aaf you know as kind of like a, a g league of sorts i thought was a dope idea and there were a couple of guys that i had my eye on like yo maybe the jets should look at this cat you know for the next couple of years Charles Johnson was going to say that, and 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 the quarterback uh, from uh, John Walford from Arizona thought he, you know what I'm saying? There's a couple of these dudes that were looking pretty decent, you know. But it's sad, and it's gone. And look, the XFL is going to come in next year, and I think it's going to go drown too. One thing you know that won't like a one thing you know won't happen with the XFL is them have any problems monetarily because they're backed by the WWE, a billion dollar company. And Vince McMahon has created his own shell corporation, this other corporation. He's going all in on the XFL. And he predicted that this league would fail right. for the reasons he's, he's, you know, he's a good businessman. He kind of foresaw this. And the the problems they're getting to with, you know, that first year, the AAF, like, like most leagues, like most businesses. Right. Sometimes you run in a deficit your first year. Yeah. Anyone that's opened a small business knows maybe that first year or two, even, or say you start a podcast like we did. Yep. Um, you got to start out and you got to grind, oh, right? And then. You kind of see the fruits of your labor down the road. It didn't seem like they had the patience to wait this out. But as Mike said, the play, as far as I'm concerned, I know the first week was a little shaky. But as the as the, the when we got to week four, five, six, the game started getting pretty good. Yeah. You know, and the teams looked okay. Yep. And as an alternative for all of us that are sports acts, and we, we all love football so much, oh, yeah. it was a dope alternative because some of these guys that then go on to play in the NFL, you kind of seen you kind of seen the play, but you know a little bit of history on them. Yep. You got to kind of latch onto a team like the Iron, if you're rooting for a team down there in Florida. And I thought it was getting better. And when I felt bad about it, a lot of these players, it seemed, some of the GMs who were contacted didn't know the yeah. league folded till they were contacted Yet by me. They got, I was like, yo, what? they got I, home. They, they got home, happen? Keith, from the, from the game. And all their stuff was already in bags in the hotel lobby. They, they literally kicked them out. It's incredible. It was such a grimy, grimy, horrible move. I, I just, it's very disappointing to, to have read this story, so... Yeah, and that, that's what I mean. Is like if you're if you if you know um, it's Dick Ebersole's son. I forget his first name. I think Charlie Ebersole is one of the guys that was behind it. He did an ex a documentary on the XFL, which was a thirty for thirty, which was absolutely awesome. And it would seem like from that, you know, when you go through a documentary and you list all the mistakes a previous secondary football league made, then you make all the same ones. You're just a moron. You're a moron. I, I can't feel bad for that guy because he did every single thing he said you shouldn't do. But I do think next year when the XFL comes in, a lot of these guys that just played in the AAF, 
kind of have some film now. Yeah. So that'll help them. Yeah. And then the XFL, I don't know what, what their um, broadcasting rights are going to be or anything like that. But I know that if they operated a deficit, Vince McMahon already owns it. So the guy who owns it, the guy who's like, I, I could eat this money for a yeah. year or two years. Previously, NBC just kicked them off because they had no ratings. Right. If you get no ratings, you're done anyway. But it won't be, at least we know with the XFL, if that does come up, that's not going to be something that's going to hit financial right. hurdles. They'll at least finish a year out. And if NBC want or whoever their um, television affiliate is, that they'll be the decision maker whether they're going to be on TV or not. The AF didn't even have that choice because they couldn't even pay players anymore. And if guys are showing up their hotels and all your bags are in the lobby, I mean, that's, that's as low as it gets. That's- no, 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 Paulie, too. It's unfortunate because, you know, he could have actually said something to actually stop this. It's one thing if you're going to suspend operations over a pissing contest with the NFL, which is exactly what it sounds like to have. But it's another thing for basically just, you know, to, to tell all the players, hey, guess what? After eight weeks, you guys don't have a check. Okay, you're fired. Here's all your shit. Hey, God. You know, and there's definitely a much better way that this could have been handled. I'm very, very disappointed in the AAS leadership. They should have had a contingency plan in place because you don't start a developmental league like this unless you have a contingency plan in place and you have to understand you're not going to see a dollar of revenue for at least the next two to two and a half years before this league could, could gain some traction. And another thing, too, you know, nobody seems to have learned the failures from the World League of American Football, which then ended up turning into NFL Europe, which then ended up turning into NFL Europa. That was an eight-year circus that yeah. the NFL poorly orchestrated because... No one wanted to take responsibility for the league overseas. No one wanted, all they would have needed to do was to put documentation in place, to show players back and forth, to a practice squad, uh, uh, practice squad agreement. The NFLPA could have overseen it. Okay, they could have actually made an extension of the NFLPA to actually run NFL Europe as far as the players were concerned to represent the players as far as salaries, as far as team operations. There's a whole litany of things that they could have done really make that successful. And what the one thing that the NFL sorely needs, you need a developmental league. Yeah. Take a a look at the model that the NBA has done. Yeah. Yeah. NBA Summer League. Okay? I don't care what anybody says. The NBA Summer League kills it and it's the perfect business model for every other sport. The NHL can do it with affiliates like the ECHL, the AHL, Okay, the WCHL. Come on now. If, if there are other sports leagues that can figure out how to have a developmental league for it to be somewhat solid and be able to develop personnel that can transfer back and forth between leagues, the NFL needs to do it. I, I, the NFL doesn't want this, this league. I mean, it made it apparent, even yeah. though it seems like a perfect parent. They did nothing but play fucking defense against the AFL. It's true. It's true. It's true. true. They didn't really want it. Well, then all of a sudden, 
I, I was going to say, you don't think they've been paid already, Reggie Bush? You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. I know for a fact that they've been paid. Trust me, I'm not stupid. But yeah. I mean, there, 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 there are some of these people over there that actually do believe in the whole quote-unquote grassroots movement. Yeah. And they actually want to keep the amateur, the, the word amateur in collegiate sports. Yeah. And that's the way that it should. You know, the NFL should stop being build your own developmental league like the AM like if they wanted to partner up with the XFL that's why I love Vince McMahon because he basically just gave the finger to the NFL and said I don't need yeah. Yes. It's strange that they don't want a developmental league bro because if they would have wanted one if they had the choice of the two it would be the AFL right that's true that's true yeah. not they don't want anything yeah, the, a- the AAF, at least the AAF tried, it, it, before they launched, they, their goal was to eventually partner with the NFL. Yeah. So you're definitely right. Where Vince McMahon's saying, I'm doing this on my own. To what CJ was saying before, if these owners who Roger Goodell represents, if they're not going to make a profit off something, right. they're not going to invest in something. Yeah. When when it's not, it's not. I don't think sometimes they're looking at the, the, the greater good of the league. I understand bottom line is, we live in America, a capitalist country, bottom line is how much money you make. But if you look at the NBA, excuse me, if you look at the NBA, you look at the G League. Yep. Right now, the G League has 27 teams. There's almost a third of the players in the NBA right now play spend time in that yep. league. Now, there's only 15 guys on an NBA roster. That's just how, how many guys are on an NFL roster, guys? 52, 53? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. So, th- just, just, just the simple math. The NBA has been able to utilize the G League, the Westchester Knicks, which I've gone to see a bunch of games. Right. And we've seen, I've seen three or four guys that are on the Knicks right now. Play, I've watched them play 20 times at, at Westchester County Center. Yep. 2,000 people to not even try to help. And I'm not saying it's their responsibility to help the AAF out, but it seemed like the AAF did their best to, to say, all right, we're going to have the NFL rules so it's not confusing for anyone. They tried their best to be a, to mimic the NFL in hopes of partnering with them, which maybe could have happened down the line, but if you're going to pull the plug after two months, there's no chance. I mean, basically, basically, you're telling us, basically, when they did that, if it wasn't a smashing success in two months, it had no chance. Yeah. Which, if that was your business model to begin with, then you're just a moron. The situation, uh... Got heavy on that was part one of our interview with CJ and Carlos of the Jet Factor podcast. Next week the guys join us again to discuss the upcoming draft and share their thoughts on current Jets general manager Mike McCagnan's tenure thus far. So on behalf of CJ, Carlos, Mike, Keith and the big stinking whoopee Nicholas Crank, thank you for joining us, get at you next week. Peace out. Are you ready? The New York Jets will beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Bird, very passionate. Bird, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't be the sucks.